Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the final episode of our season on art heists here on Criminalia, where we've been exploring the stories of some of the most notorious art crimes throughout history. I'm Maria Tremarpi. And I'm Holly Fry. It's true. During this season, we did not talk about some of the most famous art heists to have ever taken place, such as the Isabella Stewart Gardner thefts that happened in Boston in 1990. That took place when 13 masterpieces were burgled in just 81 minutes. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has since valued that haul at $500 million. And we didn't talk about that, not because stories like that aren't good stories. That, for example, is an amazing caper. These are the art mapping and theft stories so well known to us all, though. How could they not be, right? Like the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum, that gets covered in the press every time there's even a hint of an update. 13 works, $500 million. That's a big event. We understand why. But we left heists like that out on purpose. Instead, we went looking for the stories of thefts that are a little less recent or perhaps a little less well-known. For instance, how many of us knew an original Salvador Dali was boosted from Rikers Island? Or back that up, like how many of us knew there was even a Dali hanging in the prison complex to begin with? When we began this season, we knew it was unlikely we'd encounter any thieves who now looked somehow less thievish through our modern perspective. There were a lot of variables from show to show, heist to heist. Each thief and circumstance was unique. 
Despite the fact that many priceless works are now carefully preserved and placed under heavy security and surveillance, and often that includes things like bulletproof glass cases, which we've talked about in multiple episodes, there are numerous examples of thieves just finding a way. Although technology has advanced and the methods used to conduct art heists have evolved, sometimes it doesn't take an ingenious plan involving rappelling through a skylight to make your mark. Sometimes thefts are opportunistic. Say, someone didn't turn the security alarm on that night, or someone might have left the bathroom window open. But we wondered, before a plan is in place to nick a piece of art, what types of motivations drive such a decision? There were a few we were able to tease out from the stories of thefts that we told. First, there was this concept of repatriatism. When Vincenzo Perugia, for instance, stole the Mona Lisa from the Louvre in Paris, he claimed that he did so with intentions of returning the work to Italy, where it had been painted. It did not seem that he knew that France did rightfully own that work, and if he did, well, he went all out anyway. And then, of course, there's war. Jan van Eyck's Ghent altarpiece is a great example here of many. It had been picked apart by thieves for centuries, but it found itself looted by Nazis during the Second World War with intentions of it being exhibited in Hitler's envisioned Führer Museum. Organized crime, too, is known to be involved in stealing and fencing stolen art. Many experts believe Caravaggio's nativity, stolen from the Church of San Lorenzo in Palermo in 1969, and still missing today, may be in the hands of Cosa Nostra. But the biggest motivation? As if you haven't guessed, it's cold hard cash. According to con man turned art crime expert Turbo Paul Hendry, once a work of art is stolen, it's passed through the hands of middlemen and it reappears for its full market value. That's not always a simple process. Says Robert Whitman, founder of the Federal Bureau of Investigation's National Art Crime Team, quote, the true art in art theft is not in the stealing, it's in the selling. But when somebody steals a world-famous painting, they quickly discover it's too famous to fence, and they're stuck with something they can't sell. Criminals are better thieves than businessmen. According to Interpol, it's actually hard to access what kind of money we're talking about here. Statistics on the extent of global art crime are notoriously inaccurate, but that's mainly because it's very difficult to gain an exact idea of how many items are stolen throughout the world on an annual basis. So an estimate, maybe roughly 50,000 to 100,000 works of art go missing each year, and the criminal income generated is thought to be in the billions. But it's not a secret that art theft and forgery is big business. Potential thieves may envision a huge figure attached to their loot. Today, and all the way back to what's considered the first art heist when Polish pirates stole Hans Memling's Last Judgment triptych, thieves have been trying to find a way to fence their looted items in exchange for a big bankroll. But looking at things realistically, Anthony Amore, head of security at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum and author of The Art of the Con, says, quote, Art thievery is a short-sighted crime. Thieves are certain they're going to make loads of money, then it hits the press, and they realize this is going to get them in trouble. No one, or maybe at least almost no one, wants to hang a hot Vermeer in their living room. We really, really enjoyed sharing this season with you and all of the varied stories of stolen art. 
And if you haven't been with us during previous seasons, we have a tradition around here. At the end of each season, Maria and I pick our favorite shows and our favorite cocktails and mocktails, and we chat about them. And we would love for you to tell us about the stories and drinks that you liked best. Just tag Criminalia, we'll find you, and we'll see which favorites we have in common. But before we talk about those favorites, Maria and I have each picked theoretically three of each. Usually there are some honorable mentions. Before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, and we will meet you right back here. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Listen, you listen to true crime podcasts. You know that the world can be dangerous and unpredictable and that there will unfortunately be people who want to hurt each other. And so it's kind of nice to get a little peace of mind by having a good home security system. Just take a few precautions. And I recommend looking at Simply Safe Home Security. I've had my home broken into in the past and it was a terrible feeling, even though nothing that bad really happened. Aside from an intruder, I just really like knowing that I have a security setup that lets me check in on my pets when I'm not home. That is a huge peace of mind giver when I am out traveling. Simply Safe sent me a whole home security system, and I was really, really impressed by the variety of indoor and outdoor cameras they offer. And the whole thing is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day-to-day, -day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low-key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older <laughs> in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their brilliant eye brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie. And it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash Criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. 
because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Criminalia. So let's start with our top three art thefts of the season. Okay, so my first pick. What you got? I'm a little worried because I'm building up to the one I love the most. And I'm like, oh, she's going to pick that. I was just about to ask you if you had any order or sense of order to your list. My first pick is Goya's Portrait of the Duke of Wellington. And I selected this because on previous seasons of Criminalia, one of the things that pops out almost all the time is that we really do think very differently about some of the criminals involved than they were perceived in their own time or how they have been discussed in history. But in this case, as you said at the opening, like they stole art. There's not a whole lot to get around it. But this does feature a person who you're like, oh, man. And that is Kempton Bunton who fibbed and said that he stole that painting when, in fact, his son had done so, but he didn't want his son's life to be ruined. I thought it was a great story. It wasn't your typical, we've never found this, these five guys stole it. It kind of took a twist. I could see why this would be on your list. Yeah, I loved it for that reason. It's There's a sweetness about it, but also it's just kind of interesting because it's like, there's no masterminding of it. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I saw a chance and I took it. The window was open. I just went in. That was my my third of my <laughs> third. I was so excited about the Dolly episode. You have no idea. <laughs> That's, that is a, I believe it. That is on my list. And you know what's funny is I almost didn't put it there because I was like, well, it's so obvious. That's one that I loved doing that like i should pick a non-obvious one but then i was no, like no you love what you love dolly is here like, <laughs> i almost picked that one because of the dolly element but when it came to the actual heist i was like man screw those guys they didn't know what they were doing that wasn't a very good heist no kidding right like what did you have your four-year-old draw that picture you stapled it to the back of the case what do you thought? That's where I really was like, you ding-dongs. Uh, <laughs> those were the details that I felt that Salvador Dali himself would be like, no, this is hilarious. I actually really feel like this entire event worked for him, even though he would never know about it. There was one thing, actually, about the trial. And Benny Nuzzo's lawyer convinced me yes. that if you have a good lawyer, he can just hypnotize the crowd, and you can just walk out of the room and get no time served whatsoever. But... The dolly in the Rikers Island complex was a surprise to me. And then I can understand why everyone thinks that Dolly would think that it was just hilarious that his painting walked out the door of a prison. It was a good story. I love it because I love Dolly anyway. Yeah. It pains me to know that that work of art may have just been destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope that's not the truth. 
I love Dali, and I did not know that he had a painting at Rikers, yeah. which makes me feel like I had been a gap in my Dali knowledge. I think I tend to focus on his collaboration with Walt Disney as my uh, point of fascination, and the twin. rest is, right? <laughs> this was just such a new and interesting and what, question mark, kind of story that I loved learning it and telling it. Yeah, it's a wild one. So my second one, if you're ready. I am ready. Let's move on. It's the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa was my honorable mention. This one really got me for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, like, there is the element of Vincenzo, you're doing it wrong. Like, you don't (laughs) understand the situation at all. You have made up, like, your own Mona Lisa fanfic in your head that you are now acting upon in a criminal manner. When, like, a couple of phone calls, because this is not secret information, Mm -hmm. is my point. If he was really worried about it having been stolen, he could have inquired, gone to the library, and found out that it was purchased. It was ask around a little bit. (laughs) Ask one art historian. It's not hard. Go to any college and ask. But what I really, really obsess over with this story is how illustrative it is that there are a kajillion amazing paintings in the world that we don't hear about. They're not living in the public consciousness, but they would instantly become elevated if something happened to them. I thought that this was an interesting story because I didn't realize that this was the event that launched the Mona Lisa into stardom. Listen, if you go to Paris, it's everywhere. Leave out going to the Louvre, Mm -hmm. although. If you do, there's always like a person who's like the Mona Lisa's over there. Go go to this gallery. There's just somebody ready to direct people to the Mona Lisa. Follow the enormous crowd. Right. Which is kind of a pity because I do feel like the Louvre is such a jam-packed museum of stuff that people that just beeline for the Mona Lisa, which is an experience I want everyone to have. Mm -hmm. But if you just do that, like you're probably missing a lot of amazing stuff along the way. I get in that room with all those Vigée Le Bruns in oh, yeah. the Louvre and I just start crying. Oh, the Delacroix. Forget it. I can't. I can't function. But again, forget the Louvre, though. Mm-hmm. You go to any like tchotchke stand in Paris and it's all Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa. It's like Mona Lisa on a tote bag, Mona Lisa on a pillowcase, <laughs> Mona Lisa on socks, Mona Lisa on sex toys. Like you cannot get away from Mona Lisa. She is <laughs> so famous. <laughs> I hope you don't think I was joking, because if you walk around Pagal for any period of time, you will see in a window of a shop some sort of sex toy with Mona Lisa on it. I almost guarantee it. We think of it as like, it's the painting. And if you've never studied art history, or if you haven't studied European art history even, you may think that it was always this lauded, amazing, oh my gosh, what you have achieved in this portrait, but no. Nobody really cared about the Mona Lisa until Vincenzo's folly. And I hear people comment sometimes when they see her for the first time how small she is. Tiny. expected her to be larger because she is large in your imagination. Yes. Yes. And when you see her for the first time. We see her printed on bedspreads, for heaven's sakes. Like, we think of it as a big painting. But no, it's little. And it's, we mentioned it in the episode, it's far away from you. You can't get close to it. So it seems even smaller because there's a perspective thing. 
It's also the episode, and this is kind of a side note to this, where I realized that Napoleon was starting to make sort of a play in multiple episodes this season, and he was just Napoleon, art thief, business card was being tossed out here and there. I think it was our our last season where we had John Wilkes Booth appear in several episodes, although there was no episode about that man. He was the bit player that kept showing up. (laughs) He's keeping the wheels moving here, Napoleon. So I chose, if we're ready to move on to another yeah. one, the I went to the Renaissance, chose the Ghent altarpiece. And oh, that's my third. That's my big it? one. So let's talk about yes. it. All right. So I actually really liked the part of this story that was a more recent addition to it, which was the brothers. And how much Hubert may or may not have done in the piece and how much he probably did in the piece. And this was so new to me. And so the the origin story of the altarpiece kind of cha- it changed for all of us. And it changed today. It didn't change in the 16th century. This is new research right. that's being done. And I thought that was a really intriguing, fascinating piece to a story about a piece of art that was looted by Nazis, looted by everyone, you know, <laughs> over its over its centuries. It was nice to have a new bit to it. Hubert. Yeah. Hubert. I feel like this story, the life of the Ghent altarpiece, is the gift that keeps giving. I want Ryan Johnson to make the third entry in his Knives Out trilogy to be from the perspective of the Ghent altarpiece. <laughs> and we find that damn missing panel. That's what I want. It has every element of like a thrilling it, it does, roller it? coaster like, ride of a story, right? The sheer size of it is astonishing. Right? The Hubert Van Eyck element, like that little found inscription, the censorship of it, where some panels were replaced with panels where Adam and Eve's privates are covered. <laughs> I really liked, I forgot actually until you just said that, the art forger that they had who like made the piece at the yes. end. Yes. That creepy little like poem that he left. <laughs> yes. Why was it there? Was he just, was he saying he took it and here's the forgery? Was he just making a, I don't know. What the hell? Yes. Like, like, <laughs> also like we have Napoleon once again. Again, Napoleon. <laughs> we have hiding this thing in private homes so that yes. the Nazis don't find it. We, and then we have the wild Arsène Godertier element of this man who went to his grave probably trying to tell someone where it was and being ineffectual in doing so right it's moved not stolen this is the best movie you could ever imagine if you just followed this (laughs) here's the thing if none of this crazy stuff had happened to it it would still be just an astonishing piece of art because of its size and how exquisite it is and how beautiful but then there's just like one wacky adventure <laughs> after another. It's a miracle that it is with us. What is it, 1432? It was completed? Like how the, the adventures that it's been on, it, it's amazing. So much of it is still with us. I love everything about this story. So I did have one more in our show. Fabulous. And it is the show, it was our very first episode this season. Did the Sicilian Mafia really feed? <laughs> Caravaggio's nativity with St. Francis and St. Lawrence to pig. We don't know. I liked the story of this, but I didn't actually know all that much about Caravaggio himself. Other than 
like revolutionary artist, blah, blah. And then I came across the phrase often described as the bad boy of Baroque. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I learned about his penchant for swords and assault. Right, the violent like, temper on that kid. No, right, not like pleasant. Gambling, brawling, drinking, sword carrying, tennis playing, wandering from court to court looking for a fight. I find him an intriguing character beyond just being an artist. And so I felt like I needed to slot him in. Because <laughs> you can't really make th- that episode up. That was just- <laughs> No, yeah. I almost put that one on my honorable mention. And then I realized it's just because I like that damn painting so much. <laughs> like, I really, yeah. he was a train wreck, but he was. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I know. It's beautiful. Like, like, revolutionary artist. But when you actually look at him, you go, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's something. <laughs> just the enfant terrible of his time, of the yes. art world. Yeah, just, just leave it at that. I have one honorable mention. Do you? Which is Jakob de Gein the Third and the Takeaway Rembrandt. I have this as honorable mention for a few reasons. One, I don't want this to reflect on their current status, but throughout that story, I was constantly yelling in my head. Dolwich Picture Gallery, get your act together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I loved that story too. And one of the things that I liked about it wasn't necessarily the story of the fact it was the story of the relationships with people who were all involved in who was friends with him. And it it was a good episode. It's a good BFF story. But I also wonder if in art theft circles, this piece of art has become like, the bucket list item for any thief. Yes, but have you stolen the Degain? Have you managed right? it? And it only gets harder for subsequent generations of art thieves. Like, I do wonder if in those circles, if they're like, this guy stole the Degain. He never <laughs> got caught. Like, right. He I never just wonder. Him. I wonder all the time. But I'm also just a sucker for Dutch Golden Age portraits. There you go. Oh. And a good oh. BFF story. Oh. Did you have other honorable mentions? I do not. That is my that is my completed list. I loved this season so much. I actually could probably honorable mention every single episode and just yes. keep talking about them. So I'm limited myself. <laughs> I did the same. I was like, don't go on. Don't <laughs> right. wax rhapsodic forever about right. every piece of art. You don't Nobody need wants that. five episodes of honorable mentions. <laughs> not the point of this exercise. (laughs) So that brings us to drinks. But before we dive into our top three drinks of the season, we are going to take a break for a word from our sponsors. And then we'll be right back. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Criminalia. So let's talk about those drinks. Okay, Maria, do you remember that I said a couple times early in the season that I was doing something with the cocktail that I (laughs) wasn't telling you? I do. Did you figure out what it was? I don't think I did, actually. Please share. I tried to make them look like the artwork involved. Oh my god, it's so obvious now that you mention it. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I thought I was getting really obvious on a couple. No. And some of them you can't. Like, some of them you obviously can't, but I would just pick out a prominent color and try to match it or do something similar. I'm so sorry I missed that. I have a cold. No, I love like, it. Like, like, I love <laughs> it. I love that you didn't get it because that meant it wasn't too obvious. It wasn't, but now that you mention it, I love it. But it was also a really good, like, exercise in challenging myself. But also, (laughs) one of the reasons I didn't want to tell you, so as a peek behind the curtain, Maria usually picks the topics for our episodes. And I didn't want that information to guide your hand. But then late in the game, you're like, a bunch of sculptures, a right. bunch of like, and I was like, oh, <laughs> damn it. Like, I, You're like ice sculpting in the kitchen trying to get you. <laughs> no, but like, I was trying to pick things that looked similar in tone to the item. So, for example, I will tell you, this is not one of my favorites of the season, mm-hmm. but the Horses of St. Mark's was really tricky because that's a bronze, but it's yes. also been discolored. And so that's the one where we did cognac, lemon juice, demerara syrup, and Prosecco. And it completely by accident, this is not me having skill. <laughs> it took on like that weird, sickly, yellowy, but patinaed color. And I was like, there you go. Oh, that worked. 
Another one that is not on my favorites, but it could be. No, I'm going to save it for an honorable mention, actually. I'll save it. Because that one, I was like, nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like one of the drinks that I thought you totally nailed in this season was from episode six, Jakob de Gein, the BFF. That was my honorable mention. I feel like this drink, you've perfectly done the friendship between Moritz and Jakob. Whenever we did this, like we talked about this episode, I always thought of they're like besties at the mall and a photo booth and they're like, they're getting their, except the photo booth was Rembrandt and like, <laughs> like <they> were, <laughs> but spiced rum, black tea, Chambord, cream on top. Uh-huh. And then a little sprinkle of sugar. That's like your like winter's day BFF hanging out under a blanket. Like <laughs> So if you look at that portrait, the main part of the drink is dark like his dark mm-hmm. outfit and then the white cream is his collar. Collar, yep. Oh, I see it. I see. I, see it. I put it as my number one because I thought that it was exactly where it needed to go in that episode and it was perfect. It's a tasty drink, but like, it's a sweet drink, which I'll have one of, but that was one of your best there, my dear. Sweet. For my first pick of the group, I will go with She's in the Trunk, which is the one we did for Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa, this was one of my honorable mentions. Just because it's damn delicious. It's rum, amaretto. I prefer orja, but you could do simple syrup. Super easy to throw together, but like, The amaretto makes it feel so rich and like really, this is a weird thing to say, but it feels like it has bottom weight to it. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. The weight of that sugariness and then the Prosecco on top makes it like this really interesting sip where you get all of those kind of sensations of a drink. And then it's super easy to do that mocktail because you're just using like a spiced chai tea with your orja and ginger ale. Delicious. Actually, really, I liked both the cocktail and the mocktail a lot in this one, which is why I did end up putting it on my list because that doesn't always that doesn't always happen, right? So often right. I'm like, I like one or the other. I liked this mocktail. I love a chai, and it really just kind of hit me with a mocktail. That was really great. Also, love the title of the drink. Had to also go on the list. She's in the trunk. <laughs> She's in the trunk because she was. She was right there in the trunk. Right there. What is your second one? Episode four was Memling's Last Judgment. And I mistakenly did not write down the name of this drink. It's Tawny's Lament. Lament. That's right. Tea, lemon juice, raspberry syrup, cherry water. I think that's actually what got me there. And Oh, and I missed one. The cider. Wait. I'm doing the mocktail version. Yeah, I'm like... The cocktail wait. has Campari, and I think it, the, the, uh, the Polish vodka you like was in it. But yeah, I actually ended up going, here's my favorite part of this drink. The mocktail, but with the hard cider. Oh, I like it. A little splice. Went a little bit in my own direction there. I also highly recommend that third drink. (laughs) (laughs) So as an explainer on that one, because that's a very red drink. And I just, because this is one of those ones that has a lot going on in the art. I just focused on the capy robe. Mm -hmm that Christ is wearing the middle top of the center panel. So that was the logic on that one. Yeah, that this was, I believe, my first instance of choosing a mocktail. 
I know I've chosen one where I've had both, but yeah, I think that's my first one. So next up. My next one is I have to explain a lie to you because I lied a little bit in the episode to maintain the secrecy of what I was doing, but it tied in okay. So in episode seven, which was our skylight caper where many paintings were stolen at once through a skylight, I had said when we got to cocktails, hey, you have to come with me and accept that I'm going to think about the skylight during daytime instead of nighttime when right. the heist happened. Yes. But really what I was doing <laughs> subterfuge <laughs> was trying to recreate the levels of one of the paintings that went missing, which is Jan Bruegel, the Elder's Landscape oh. with Wagon, which uh-huh. has a very bright blue sky against a darker but still very golden earth base. So that's why that particular cocktail has the limoncello and ginger ale base, and then that bright blue line across the top made of blue curacao and vodka. So that what that one was about. But it's also a really delicious drink. <laughs> it, it is. You know, it's funny because sometimes it'll look really good and you're like, oh, that just didn't work out flavor-wise. But now that I know, I'm like, oh, man, I'm an idiot. It's obvious when a drink like that shows up, that is what is happening. But not to me. <laughs> My sneaky ways. Just in case people did not remember, that's three quarters of an ounce of limoncello in a rocks glass with ginger ale. Then in a separate shaker, you take a half ounce of blue curacao and three quarters of an ounce of vodka, give it a dry shake, and then you pour that down a bar spoon with a flat disc end to float it on top of the drink. And for the mocktail, you do lemon juice with your ginger ale and then blue curacao syrup thinned with water or lemon juice, and you do the same thing. And it makes this beautiful blue stripe. It stayed so beautifully separated for me. I was so um, delighted. I feel like don't touch it. (laughs) I felt in the moment like I had achieved something. So my final, I actually have trouble choosing. So I'm going to bring up both of these: my third and my honorable mention. Mine is a tie as well. Okay. So okay, we both have. I don't feel bad about this. (laughs) So one of mine is episode eight: moved, not stolen. And uh-huh. that is the bourbon, lemon, simple syrup, club soda on the top. And I think for the mocktail, we just swap out the bourbon for the black tea. Oh, and grapefruit juice. It's the, I, sorry, I apologize. This head was getting to me. But the reason why I chose this drink specifically is one of the ingredients that I just left off the list, <laughs> which is the grapefruit juice. In my world, it doesn't come up a lot in cocktails. There's the sea breeze. There's a few things that I will have. But... I thought that it was just really lovely to have a new, refreshing grapefruity juice. Um, I, you know, me and citrus, I went right for it. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> but I also really very much enjoyed the very simple episode one Caravaggio's Italian Storm. Ginger beer, espresso vodka, and I didn't add bitters. I think I had bitters in it. Whether it's the mocktail, which is espresso and ginger beer, or... The cocktail, which was espresso vodka and ginger beer. I like them both. I like that combination. That was a great drink. It's really refreshing. Yeah. And that's like a, it's almost a one-to-one. So it's two ounces of espresso vodka and three ounces of ginger beer. And that one was like tricky because that was the first one where I was like, oh, I should try to make it look like a painting. And that painting is very dark. It is. It's very stormy. Yeah. A person on the left in that picture is wearing a golden robe, which is what got me to start with the idea of ginger beer. And then I was like, oh, I can do like a dark and stormy variation. And And then here we are. (laughs) Um, So you have kind of a tie, too. I do. 
The first of my ties, I really love it because I feel like more than any of the others, I really nailed the picture because it's Dolly's antics. Ah, yes. In creating a white cocktail, and I put mine in a white glass, which is very pretty, and then dropping the Angostura bitters on top that makes it look like a cup of coffee got thrown at it, and then the scattering of black salt, which looks a lot like the pen work that Dolly did on the original also. I was like, yes, girl, you have done it with this one. Yeah, you really... Damn, I can't tell Maria for weeks. (laughs) (laughs) But but now... I was very proud of myself. You should be. And the white, I mean, putting it in the white glass, not over the top. Fantastic. But the drink carries its own with, you know, without accessories. Yeah, so that's an ounce and a half of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of liqueur 43, if you can get it, or another vanilla liqueur, and then three quarters of an ounce of heavy cream or half and half, whatever level of you're willing to go with, whatever (laughs) milk or milk substitute you want to do there. Did I do a coconut cream with that one? Not coconut cream, like the coconut cream. A coconut milk based creamer. Yes. And that was very yummy. And then I did it again with a, because I've made it a couple of times. I did make it with a dairy heavy cream, and that worked out fine. And then I also did one with, I think it was either just an oat milk or an almond milk, one of the two. But my winner of the season uh, is the false confession. So it's the, the Duke's Duke. portrait. Yeah. And the reason why, like in this case, the thing that I keyed off of in that portrait, which is interesting because there are a lot of other colors in that portrait in his garments, but was all of the medals. He's wearing a lot of medals and they're very bright gold. And so I was trying to match that gold. And the medals are interesting, too, because apparently like the painting had been updated over the years to add. Yes, to add them. So, yeah, honing in on those is an interesting idea for the drink. That's lovely. And I really love this because one. It's delicious. But two, (laughs) I managed to come up with a bourbon drink that everyone in my household loves and wants more of. The false confession is an ounce and a half of bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of orgeat. I was very orgeat heavy this season. I find it since it's the end of the year and holiday time. I don't know. It it works for me. I just eat it like soup. (laughs) (laughs) Two ounces of pineapple nectar and then... Shake that and you put it in a pre-chilled glass that's had the interior of it just glazed with Goldschlager. So you get a cinnamon kick in the middle of all of it. I almost put this drink on my list just because. It's a really good one. It has more ingredients than we tend to do, but not a ton. I try to keep them fairly simple so that it's not like, here's the eight things you have to buy to make this drink. And they're all Um, obscure. Which is another reason why sometimes like I'll do something. If someone has gone out of their way to get Orgeat early in the season, they'll have it on hand for yes, subsequent absolutely. drinks. So that's part of it, too. But, oh, my goodness, this drink <laughs> is so ridiculously delicious. It's just an accidental bit of good fortune. Sometimes they come out exactly right, right sometimes. out of the gate. And sometimes they don't. And this one was just like, I don't know, a little magical bird landed on my windowsill <laughs> and chirped it at me. It was so, it's just so good. Add the pineapple. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Put the, get the pineapple, Victor. I loved this season. I loved the episodes. I loved the drinks. I am, I'm sad to see it. Sad to move on. 
I am too. And now I just, I feel like I should tell people you're not going to get the same kind of like art tie-in on cocktails. It's easy when it's art. Because it's not art anymore. Like, like <laughs> Listen, Maria and I obviously both love art. Talking about these was fun because we had some seasons with a lot of downer action. These oh. are not any situation where anyone's tortured. Nobody dies horribly. There were some bad seasons like that. Ooh. Yeah, this one was mostly a very fun season with beautiful things to look at, and it made cocktail making very, very fun <laughs> for me. Let's figure out another way to do an art season in the future. Maybe we could do great forgeries at some point. I'm promising nothing. Nothing? Don't anybody get attached to this. But... We have a long list of ideas. It's going to get added to the end of it. <laughs> Thank you also for joining us for this season and for our final episode today of our season of Art Heists. We hope you will join us next week with the first episode of our new season, The Art of the Con. And that is, as you may suspect, a brand new season all about confidence men and women and the stories of who, how, and what they swindled. Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.